Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network. Former Arkansas Razorback baseball player Tyler Spoon. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Kylie Questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former head athlete at Cornell Sarah Spain. D1Baseball.com editor Aaron Fitt. And current Razorback freshman star Devo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. A Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley. Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes. Welcome in to episode 227 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services studios. I'm your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Coach Kevin Bohannon. And whether you're listening on 106.7 The Buzz 2 or your favorite podcast forum, we appreciate you for coming to hang out with us. If you're on one of the forums, hit that subscribe button if you have not already. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you could please be so kind to leave us a five-star rating and written review and help us get our name out there and reach more people. We are brought to you by Bet Online. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50BLEAV50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 22 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. It's LSU week. Arkansas tries to regain the golden boot back for the first time in five years. And in segment two, Porter will preview that with Are You Serious Sport Net- Sports Network host Blake Rafino. And, we'll, and we're going to talk some basketball here in just a second. Look forward to that second segment with Blake. He's one of the more knowledgeable guys that I've ever talked with, and he knows LSU football in and out. So kind of pick his brain about some of the things that are going on on and off the field there. But Cabo, it is high school basketball or high school football playoff season. I guess high school basketball is starting up as well. The Razorbacks recently just tipped off this week. And so it's very exciting. It's uh, the cooler weather deer season. I, I used to deer hunt all the time. Not so much anymore. Don't have the, quite the time for it, but it's that time of year where we thought that fall was going to start a little bit earlier in the year, but it's pretty much gone from summer weather straight into winter, it seems. Yeah, we, we don't have four seasons here in Arkansas, and anybody that lives here knows that by now. But right now, you got a lot of going on. We had National Signing Day for the non-football sports uh, that started yesterday. And a lot of young men inked uh, and young women inked to go to the University of Arkansas, the University of Arkansas Little Rock. Arkansas State, UCA, all across the state. So, uh, but yeah, it's high school football playoff time. Uh, actually, the first one is going on tonight at War Memorial Stadium between Parkview and Searcy. Should be a good game. Uh, like you mentioned, the the men's basketball team and women's for the University of Arkansas got going. They they're both one and zero on the year. So, a lot of good things going on right now. If uh, if you're if you're bored and you're not looking hard enough right now, a lot of great stuff going on out there. 
We'll start with basketball. If I would have told you that for the men's and women's team, if Devo Davis and Amber Ramirez were going to combine for zero points in opening games, what would you have said to me? We wouldn't be one and zero and one and zero. We'd be zero and two. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the game plan was for Devo, which I mean, it worked out fine. One, yeah, uh, thirteen points, seventy-one to or seventy-four. To 61. So, yeah, you, you won a pretty handle. I know that they were up by 10 points at, at a certain uh, stint in the game, but w- we know that there's going to be growing pains. Last year, it looked a lot worse than it really was. There was all kind of silly yeah. <laughs> silly rumors going around that the players hated Muss and that he was going to leave after the season. And some of us, like we were saying on this show, just give it time. We got a bunch of transfers in. It's just going to take time to gel. It really wasn't – Justin Smith was about the only one of the transfers that kind of came on pretty quickly. Jalen Tate right after that. And so it just kind of all meshed together with the freshman players that were on the team, a top-five class from 2020. And it's going to take that time this year. But I will say, Cabo, in the first game, it was really nice to see Audis Tony the – I'm sure I butchered his name too. I've heard it said about five. No, it's perfect. Is that exactly how it is? Perfect, Kyle. Say because I've heard it at least five, four or five different ways. But Tony had a fantastic game. JD Note, phenomenal with 30 points, 11 of 26, and then five of 14 from deep, and also had seven steals. That's one that's going. I feel like that's kind of gone under the radar. Is he had seven steals against a pretty good Mercer team? That's one thing that Muss has talked about is that they really try. I think it's actually Anthony Ruda that does most of the scheduling or all of the scheduling. And he tries to look at, hey, from the previous season, what did they do and what does it look like that they could possibly do this year? And they believe that Mercer could win their conference. I'm not sure what conference they're in, but they have played some pretty tough basketball. They definitely shot great from deep. They were uh, really consistent on that. I know that they ended up with like 42 43%, but for a while they were over 50. But uh, Tony, phenomenal, double-double, and I mean, you couldn't really have asked for a better Razorback opening for his career here in Fayetteville. And you did outside of that, uh, him and Note were really the studs. Umude, Stanley, I know I I definitely butchered that one. Stanley Amude, Stanley Amude. <laughs> He's going to definitely blow the roof off of Bud Walton Arena a couple times this year. There's no question about that. I don't know that he has quite Justin Smith ups, but he's definitely has the capability of uh, blowing a roof off of an arena. And also, just like he always does, Jalen Williams did some pretty good things that don't show up always on the stat sheet, or at least yeah. not the stats that you look five at. Five assists. So, yeah, yeah, five assists. Five assist. He's still taking yeah. charges like a champ. He's he's just very alert on the court. You can, you can definitely see that. And so I like what I saw. Uh, again, this was much tougher competition than what the women played, so we didn't get quite as good of a grasp of what they're going to look like. They're going to have growing pains, too. They got a lot of Arkansans on this team, a couple of transfers, a couple of freshmen. Jersey Wolfenberger looks extremely amazing. Like she just pretty much looks the part and looks like she could even be more than that. But I, I'm very excited about both teams, especially with what we saw with the guys. We might lose a game here and there that we're not supposed to – that we, we shouldn't lose, but that happens every single year to plenty of good teams. Yeah, both these teams, I think the number one thing that stood out to me is the depth. And you mentioned with Devo and Amber not having any points the other night. That just goes to show you how deep this team is. Everybody knowing their role. Teams are going to struggle against Arkansas offensively. And, and, and Mercer could shoot. That, that One kid that came in hit four of his first five from three-point land, and Arkansas kind of struggled for a little bit. That, that was really tough. But you outscore a team 21 points in the second half, 
they tightened it up a little bit. The vice grips got brought out by Muss at halftime. So it wasn't really shocking. And like you said, they're going to drop some games that they're not supposed to. But it's the, the point is for Arkansas to not be in the top 10 right now is to be in the top 10 at the end of the season in jail, peak, at the right time, NCAA tournament time. So there's a lot of teams out there that are struggling. I know Hofstra, I think, in Houston. Uh, Hofstra took them to overtime the other night. Things are going to happen like that. It's kooky time in, in college basketball season because it's non-conference. Anything could happen. Uh, so fans, d- don't freak out on this yet. I'm really excited to watch this this women's basketball team, like you said, with Jersey Wolfenberger, uh, one of the top players in last year's high school recruiting class. It's just going to get better and better. Uh, Lana Eaton's back, and then you got Sasha Goforth, the transfer that was in the backyard at Fayetteville High School. She's back from Oregon State. So Coach Neighbors is doing big things. And um, the the bas- back to the men's basketball team real quick. Aldis Tony, he's a double-double machine. He had 18-11 the other night. Uh, his plus-minus was off the chart. So – uh, I like seeing things like that, um, and th- they're going to figure it out. K.K. Robinson did get on the floor the other night. Hope that if he gets in the rotation, you're going to have about nine deep that he can roll in and out. Uh, you're not going to have a real big man in the middle. I know Kamani Johnson, uh, they're thinking they can fill that role at 6'10", the transfer from Little Rock. Uh, he's back healthy now or getting healthy, so they're going to figure out his role as well. Uh, but I'm with you, a 13-point win, 1-0 and in the season, and then the women took care of Tarleton State. We can roll on to next week and get ready for the next match. I know we're kind of going back and forth here between both of them, but I, I want to go back to the women's game. And you're, you got to take Tarleton State a little bit with a grain of salt there because, look, no disrespect to them, but I don't think they're going to win a ton of games. But right. last year, the women really struggled in the paint for the most part, at least especially defensively. But mm-hmm. they, 38 of their 85 points were in the paint. And a big reason for that was because Amber was really drawing a lot of pressure. I didn't see it, uh, anything but the highlights. But from what I had gathered, it looked like she was drawing a lot of attention away. And that's a big reason why she didn't have any points. She didn't take many shots. I think she took like four total shots, three or four total shots the entire game. So it wasn't like she just was completely awful. It's not like she was over 10 or something. But that really opened up Wolfenberger. And that opened up Sasha Goforth. And Aaron Barn, Aaron Barnum had a great game, twelve points on three of, of seven field goals, and then was pretty good from the charity stripe, six of eight, and uh, I think was also the leading rebounder as well. And so, but that's the thing that I'm going to be looking for for the women this year is we know that just last year they had some shooters, and sometimes it was it was it definitely worked out in our favor. But if you're off, then you're off. And so when you start playing the Kentuckys, when you're playing the Tennessees, now that you've got a national championship coach down there in Baton Rouge and, and Kim Mulkey. I almost said Kim Mulkey Robertson that hadn't met her name in like 10 years. But, years. Yeah, long, long, long time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just like there is a, a ton of great coaches for the men in our conference, we're getting more and more and more, which SEC's Don, you look at Don Staley, it starts right there, started with Pat Summit in the 70s, 80s with Tennessee. We have got great coaches across the boards for both the men and women in the, in the SEC, and so – uh, it's going to be another great season. I think that we're going to be very excited for this coming spring. Speaking of spring sports, which Cable will get here into a second into the, some of the baseball signings, but a big congrats to Coach Difel and the softball team on the number one yeah. signing class. How about that? Uh, that's big time. You know, we talked, Porter and I touched on her last week. We've been uh, seeing her praises for a long time, and so 
Really good to see that. And so, uh, which we'll get in here. I want to tell you guys really quick about our friends at A Plus Insurance Center in Ozark. They have you covered for your home, business, auto, life, and recreational policies. Check them out on Facebook at A Plus Insurance Center. Visit their office at 312 West Commercial Street or contact Melinda Gregory or Marcus Berry at 479 667 3626. That's 479 667 3626. A Plus Insurance Center in Ozark, Arkansas, sponsoring this segment. Yeah, and Cabo, again, number one recruiting class there for softball. We really don't know what baseball is going to finish as. I think you had mentioned earlier when we were talking that uh, they're probably going to wait it out a little bit longer, I guess, to let more guys sign. or Maybe they just haven't released it yet. I'm not really sure what's going on. But (laughs) they've been doing good things in baseball for quite some time, and Coach Diefel is just continuing to build on the super regional performance that she took the team to last year. Yeah, and the the ranking system for baseball and softball is a lot different from football and women's and men's basketball. They don't do star ratings, so to speak, and there's different organizations, different uh, platforms that do the ranking system. So there's not a a 24-7 for baseball. Rivals does not have one. ESPN does not have one. You look at Perfect Game and and Prep Baseball Report for the the major rankings, Baseball America, D1Baseball.com, they'll all have their rankings out. But if you go by a perfect game, Arkansas is going to have another top five class. They're at number five right now. They got two top 100 players, and they're going to ink 17, 18 kids, uh, young men right now. Jason Jones is the highlight of the class. He comes in at number five overall, shortstop out of Texas. It's going to be really interesting to see if he actually makes the campus. But if you look last the last two years, Robert Moore and Peyton Stovall were two young men that Dave Van Horn and staff never thought they could get to campus, but with the upgrade in facilities, the continued success, they're getting those top 10, top 20 players on campus to play two or three years. So uh, here's the class breakdown. You got 17, according to Perfect Game. Aaron Arnold uh, would be 18 out of Bentonville West. You got 18 players. 13 of those are pitchers, and that's exactly what they need because they're going to – they're going to lose some over here the next year or so. They just need to restock and replenish the, the cupboard up there. But you, there, it's majority right-handed pitchers. Gage Wood from Batesville is one. Cooper Dawson, Easton Swafford, those are in-state kids. Colton Sims, they, that have been committed for a while since their ninth, 10th grade year, that are going to be really good players in Arkansas. They fit that mold. They fit that profile. So it's going to be a lot of fun watching those young men. Uh, all the pitchers. They're 90 plus. You got a couple of crafty lefties and Parker Coyle and Sean Fitzpatrick that need to put on a little bit more weight, and they'll be in the low 90s by the time they get to Arkansas, I'm sure. So, another great class by Dave Van Horn, Nate Thompson, who's the recruiting coordinator, and they just keep stacking them one on top of the other, which is what you have to do when you're competing with the likes of Vanderbilt, LSU, Mississippi State, Louisville. The list goes on. Miami. Miami's an enigma. They're, they're kind of like Florida football. You, you get a top 10 class, but you don't finish top 10. And <laughs> you, you like to think that your recruiting rankings eventually will equal wins and your status at the end of the season. Miami keeps pulling in these top five, top seven classes, and they're just not making it, making it work down there. So there, there's, a, there's a hitch in their giddy up as far as the development goes down there. But as anybody knows, it's followed college baseball. Uh, Miami was one of the really, you know, good teams of the 80s and 90s. Uh, they're making a push right now to get back to that status. So, um, as always, LSU, Vanderbilt. LSU had a 19 commits, 11 top 100. 
Vanderbilt, 18 commits, 10 top 100. Those two kind of ran away. It was those two and then everybody else in the class. But as you know, once you start getting these guys on campus, a lot of things change. Uh, and with the softball, extra innings was the media outlet that ranked. And I believe she had nine signees, if I'm not mistaken. Coach Stifle did. And all nine of or eight of them were ranked in the top 30. And then the ninth one was named the Colorado Gatorade Player of the Year. Uh, they had some really good pitchers. I watched video on them uh, last night and as they were rolling them out. Really good class. Uh, so Arkansas softball is going to be here for a little while. That type of recruiting class is what you used to see at Arizona, UCLA. A lot of teams out on the left coast that have always been softball powerhouses. And now you're getting to see that on, at Fayetteville. That just goes to show you uh, not just the recruiting uh, prowess of Coach Difel, but the fact that she's able to develop these young women, get them on campus, and, and, and hopefully win a national title. Yeah, that's huge to get. I mean, it's it's an understatement saying that anytime you get the number one recruiting class, that it's huge. But Arkansas is not some softball powerhouse. This no, is the, we will. This is the second time in history this past spring that they've gotten anywhere past a regional. I don't. I think they've only have been to a handful of regionals at, because the program's only been around since like '97. I think around close to 25 years, and so uh, nothing short of phenomenal. Yeah, when you especially when you've got Oklahoma what, six, seven hours away. Yeah. They just won a national championship and handily won a national championship. Uh, that, that is just – that that's incredible. Uh, nothing nothing else to say about it. And then you think about how good – that how great Dave Van Horn, Nate Thompson, and even back to Tony Vitello and beyond that, how good they've recruited. And now we've got this new facility up that is going to – I mean, it pretty much rivals MLB stadiums and mlp it's so better it's, yeah, it's, better. it's better than the, some the mlb yeah. yeah development play yeah so I mean, uh, i'm telling you it's there uh, yeah the mlb clubs are building their facilities now based off what arkansas does based off what mississippi state does it's an arms race right now between mississippi state lsu and arkansas about who can have the better facility technology and place to play so <laughs> It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see here in the next couple of years if the new facility stays new or three years from now they're just upgrading. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really tough for people on Razorback Nation to keep complaining, even though that they always still find to. But then again, they'll always find uh, find ways to do that. That's pretty much what we do as fan bases, I guess. But but all jokes right. aside, man, uh, it's still for for the last year. It has just been it's been tough to rival from all across the board, all sports, that it is a better time to be really anything other than a Razorback fan right now. It is uh, it is definitely hard to be humble. But we're up against a break. Up next, Porter previews the LSU game with Are You Serious Sports Sports Network. I messed that up in the opening, too. Are You Serious Sports Network? Blake Rafino. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcast and the Buzz Radio Network. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. 
Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We welcome you back to episode 227 of the Hawk Talk podcast. Now we go live to the Workman's Travel Center hotline where we bring you Blake Rafino of Are You Serious Sports. Had you on this time last year, man, and it's good to catch up and welcome back to the pod. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's good to be back. And uh, at least this year we have a full regular season, you know, of, of college football. It's It's been fantastic. You know, we got another huge week of of SEC football this week, and it's going to be glorious. Yeah, a lot, a lot's changed since last year. Uh, you know, with with both sides, you know, it's, <laughs> it's crazy what's happened down in Death Valley, and you know, with with all the fans. I mean, it's it's, it's crazy to you know you get things back, and from the outside looking in, a lot of people are like two years removed from a national championship. You know, they're already speaking of you know they let Coach O go. So, what are your thoughts initially when all that went down and, and the coaching search and who would you like to really see be the next guy down there in LSU? Yeah. Look, we could spend an entire hour about the, the faults of Ed Orgeron, you know, the, the one thing that got, you know, the one thing that I'm not going to, you know, look, we're, we're it's Thursday night and you know what Thursday night in Rafino household means is I've been sipping on some, some, some good <laughs> high West whiskey. So Forgive me for just laying it all out, but I look, I, I'm never going to take away 2019 from Ed Orgeron. When you or when you go when you orchestrate that offense, and people forget how good that defense was down the stretch. That will be a legacy, and that's something that I think LSU needed. You know, LSU was always there with Alabama when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to NFL talent, and Ed Orgeron orchestrated his staff and a team that brought him over the, the edge. But the problem was is that Ed Orsron lost his edge. And so um, it's – look, in 1999, and fans don't really understand this as much as LSU fans do, in 1999, LSU and Louisiana made a decision that we are a sleeping giant. You know, Skip Bartman, the former LSU baseball coach who won five national titles, showed LSU that they could be a perennial power if they actually, guess what, spent the money. Who would have thought? So Edwards runs not even two years away from playing in a national title to date, not even two years, and he's been fired. Uh, so I, I think there was a lot of off-the-field issues. You know, I reported some things that personally that happened to me with the administration, uh, people around Edwards Ron trying to blackball and censor media. Um, so, you know, look, I, I'm, I'd never really hold my words. And I criticized what was going on on the field. And Orgeron was more worried about what was going on the outside instead of what's going on on the practice field and the inside. So that's ultimately his demise. Uh, he was a PR nightmare, honestly. And the sissy blue shirt, you know, that that's one thing. But just every week it was something new, something about what's going on on the field that made no sense. And so ultimately, with everything going on with Ed Orgeron, um, he, he's let go. Now, I want to say this, Ed Orsron, because a lot of people talk about the, in, the Title IX implications with Ed Orsron and the rape case. Ed Orsron has filed an injunction to get his name released from the Title IX lawsuit saying that they have documentation to prove that he never he never knew anything. So 
the Title IX issue was not the deal with Ed Orgeron. It was everything else that was surrounding him, just to give everybody some context. Now, and look, you asked who the ne- who I want to be the next coach. Someone not named Ed Orgeron and Les Miles. <laughs> and, and, and I'll be and I'll be content. So if it's not Ed Orgeron or Les Miles, I, I think I'll be okay with it. Do you think and I'm a Clemson fan, so I know all about that 2019 and how they just made us look stupid. And in the past two years between LSU and Ohio State, just really exposed. Do you think that Edo really put all his eggs in a basket of getting Aranda and Brady? And then on top of that, that whole Burrow chase, you know, all that talent they had, and that was gone. He was left picking up the pieces of that team, and it got overwhelming. And then you had the personal issues – it just seemed like everything got to be too much, and he just kind of, in a way, spiraled out of control. Well, I think that you're on to something there. I think – and, look, I do not talk politics, but there was a situation where Ed Orgeron went on Fox Business News and gave a lot of support for Trump during COVID and, and, and during a situation where young black men in our country were dying. Regardless of what your political beliefs are, I don't really give a shit what your political beliefs are. But you got to know your room and the team separated from Ed Orgeron. And to give you a context, the players wanted to do a peaceful march and not practice earlier in the day during summer camp. And Ed Orgeron fought against that. And ultimately, the team separated from Ed Orgeron at that point. It took leadership for them to even win the game. It took leadership from Max Johnson to go into Florida and win. It took leadership from Kayshawn Booty at home to be the SEC reigning yards game recipient, or yards, you know, in a single game recipient against Ole Miss. So I think that LSU, and and look, it would be one thing if LSU was getting blown out by Alabama last week and say, you know what, LSU really doesn't have the talent. But excuse me for saying this, BS. I mean, when you hold Alabama to six rushing yards – no, you have the talent. You know, Pro Football Focus, there's a defensive tackle for LSU named Jaqueline Roy. Pro Football Focus has hit the number one defensive interior defensive lineman in the country, not just the SEC. By the way, he's not starting. Okay? So that's the kind of stuff that Ed Orgeron's doing. They have the talent. He went and got coaches that, honestly, um, just weren't a good fit for, for LSU at the time. Now, defensively, um, nothing's changed. You know, you hire two defensive coordinators, and when the scheme is the exact same, that's like saying, hey, we're going to go from Barry Odom to Bo Pelini, and the scheme's the same, but you're not blaming Sam Pittman. Okay, like Sam Pittman's not wanting to do this defensively or offensively. So a lot of this just falls on Orgeron, and look, I I, I think that they showed that they have heart and they have talent. Uh, last week against Bama. Now, a lot of, now we're going to talk, I'm sure we're going to talk about is that their Super Bowl? Sure it was. But it still doesn't stop the fact that Alabama couldn't bust a grape up front with that offensive line. So that means to tell me that they do have the talent, they can play with anyone, uh, but the coaching staff is just horrendous. And the same could be said about Arkansas. You, you look at the same team underneath Chad Morris, and then when Sam Pittman comes over, you got the same kind of – not the same talent. Do not get me to saying that Arkansas had the same talent at LSU, but it was the same situation. Right. You had the players, and look how much harder they played for Sam Pittman compared to Chad Morris. And the same situation again. 
you know, he just lost the locker room. He, it was, he was never really fully committed to Arkansas as a whole. His wife basically lived in, in Dallas or down there, never come really was, was a part of the organization. So moving on to this year in this game, I mean, when, when you think all it's lost in, in the season, just I think the players are like, okay, we're done with Edo. Then they have a game like they did against L- or Alabama, and it's almost like are the players all right, enough of our hatred for Ed O. We're going to make the most out of the rest of this season. And is Arkansas kind of the, you know, just the, the next one up that's really going to take all that LSU has? Well, I think Ed Orgeron did change a little. You know, I think that there was a lot of pressure on him. You know, look, we reported and got blasted until it was confirmed. And I was talking the whole week on my show that I, I'd heard that something was going down with Ed Orgeron after Florida. And look, LSU goes out and beats a, te- a team at the time in Florida that just came off of almost beating Alabama their damn self. So, uh, look, I think that the coaches were looser because they knew it was actually going to happen. Ed Orgeron was looser and just let things go. And I think when you let players just go out there and play, you know, Mike Jones Jr., you talk about you were a Clemson fan. Mike Jones Jr. was a, a slot linebacker for Clemson. Well, guys, I mean, look, he never played for LSU. Then he comes in against – and look, I have made the whole thing who Mike Jones for all offseason. He comes in, he finally starts, and he has a sack in the second drive against Alabama and Bryce Young and tracks him down and sacks him. Again, that's the stuff – that I think players see in practice, it's like, hey, man, why ain't Mike Jones playing? You know, why isn't Jaqueline Roy starting? And, and so that's the kind of things that Ed ultimately that ultimately got Ed fired because he wasn't playing the best guys. And so, but look, we talk about this game from a year ago. T.J. Finley started, okay? A lot of that same core talent is still there. But the, more than LSU – because really LSU hasn't changed as much, right? Like there's nothing really that's changed from LSU from a year ago from this game outside of TJ Finley playing, but you know, Arkansas has changed. Arkansas looks better. So, you know, look, <laughs> I just pretty much sit in my recliner or sit in the press box and just say, Hey man, screw it. It, it It's going to be what it's going to be, you know? And so, they come off of Alabama again. I still think that they could they could beat Arkansas, but we'll have to wait and see. You know, if they can stop that running attack, which is one of the best in the, in the country, they have a shot. But they can't score offensively, and here we go. And I know we alluded to the point of did did LSU you know put all their eggs in a basket and make this their Super Bowl? But this being the Arkansas game, I know it's not one of LSU's biggest rivalries, but it's still for a boot. It's still something that means a lot to these players on both sides. Do you think that kind of helps them really get focused and, and they're going to come out fighting on Saturday? Well, I think that there's going to be a lot of fans. I say a lot of fans, not as much as it normally probably would be on Saturday night in Death Valley, but the weather's going to be, it's going to be good. And LSU just hasn't had a lot to cheer for. Uh, from a fan perspective, I think that when you when you get to this type of situation, these LSU players that's led by a lot of great seniors and guys that want to finish strong, this game actually for the for once for once probably since when Derek Manfaden and those guys Felix Jones was on, and LSU number one LSU number three Arkansas, or when Tyron Matthew you know ran the punt back. I mean those games you know triple overtime. 
you know, this game actually finally kind of means something more than what it normally did. You know, in 19, I mean, I don't mean this in the wrong way, but in 2019, I mean, that was a bloodbath. And, and look, but we remember the times when, when, when Darren McFadden went off on LSU. So I think that these, this LSU team probably has something to fight for more this year, um, maybe than others. Uh, and, and look, there's a lot of senior guys that want to go out on top. I say on top, but want to finish the season strong. So I don't, I don't know if they're going to overlook it. But look, it's human nature too. At, coming off of that after Alabama, you know, under less miles, Arkansas would religiously beat LSU after playing Arkansas uh, or after playing Alabama. Excuse me. So I, I, I don't know if they put all their eggs in the, in the basket last week. I think that they're finally letting their coordinators call the plays. And look. This is something that I think we're going to find early on in the game. I think LSU is going to come out again and, and, and blitz. And if they stop Arkansas from running the football, they still have LSU still has really talented corners, even though Elias Ricks and Derek Stingley aren't there. Guys, they held they held Alabama uh, all night in the running game, and and they put their corners who are young guys and press man to man zero coverage. And, and and for all intents and purposes, Alabama wasn't have a lot of success. Now can Arkansas do that? Now Arkansas has a weapon on the outside, and the Burks kid that, quite honestly, could could make anybody a highlight reel. But do you do some bracket coverage? I don't know what they're going to do there. But, again, I think that this is one of the more intriguing games of the weekend because I think it's going to be really physical up front. You know, and, and look, a guy that – and I told Kyle this, um, but a guy that – and I actually – me and Kyle were going back when he was announced as the next head coach – I mean, next head coach, next offensive line coach, Look, a guy that I, I'm really close with and Cody Kennedy, the offensive line coach, played at Southeastern, have known him well, have known him literally for 10 years. Um, can he get his guys ready to go against a really talented defensive line? I think that this is going to be a really fun game, but I don't trust LSU's offense. LSU just cannot seem to move the ball, and, and mainly because of their offensive coordinator now. Garrett Nussmeyer, who's a talented freshman, is going to play a lot this week. Could that give him some spark? I don't know. I think that this is a pick Um It's just going to be really interesting to see how all this goes down. And how much does the injuries and stuff play into this? I know they were out a lot of guys. What's the status on some of those guys? And, and I think you might have alluded to the who's going to be the starting quarterback. But who does get the nod at, at quarterback? And, and just talk about the injuries and how that might affect the game. Yeah, so Max, Max is going to start. He is going to get to start. But I think that Garrett's going to play a lot. And if it's 7 nothing, 10 nothing, and Arkansas is leading, here comes Garrett Nussmeyer, okay? Um, on the injury front, 13 starters are out. Majority of those starters are on defense. Uh, both now 14 starters are out, as we just found out. Um, both interior guards for LSU's out. Now, one of the one of these situations is, is that one guard, Chase and Hines, the right guard that's going to be out, I don't mean this in a wrong way, uh, but it might be good for LSU that he was out because there was a younger guy, a redshirt freshman, Marlon Martinez, uh, when LSU beat Florida. She probably should have got the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week because of how physically he dominated up front. Uh, I think that that's better for LSU, but they're probably going to start a, a true freshman guard, Garrick Dellinger, at left guard, and he's going to replace a, a fifth-year senior. So I think that that that's really worrisome for me with all those injuries. Um, and look, when you start mounting those kinds of injuries, you start having severe problems. There's a chance though, 
that Arkansas can open this game up and blow LSU out. Let's not get that twisted. But if the if LSU shows up like they did last week, it's going to be a close game. But the injuries are dismounting up. I don't know. I, I can't put my thumb on the reason as to why they are. They are. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with people, kids not wanting to play for Ed Orgeron, honestly. And so, look, I, I'm just sitting here waiting, and it, it's tough. You know, you know what's tough about this? It's it, it's tough because you invest so much into and look, we do a podcast, you guys do a podcast, you invest so much in for this kind of thing to happen with that much talent. It, it, it's really grueling. And then you got to go in the fans. You know, we had we average about eight thousand views, listens a night on our podcast, and you have to explain to eight thousand people a night, a hundred thousand people, one hundred fifty thousand people a, a month. Why in the hell is this happening? And you don't have an answer to it. So, look, you're going to get a lot of young players in there. But, <laughs> I, look, I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if LSU got blown out. And I also wouldn't be surprised if if LSU put a put a butt whooping on Arkansas. I, I don't mean that in the wrong way. I don't see – and I, it's kind of like, well, Blake, of course this could happen. I either see it really being lopsided either way or both teams come to play and it's going to be tough. But I, I think it's going to be tougher and it's going to be a close, probably one-score game that decides it down the stretch. Yeah, and I feel your pain. I mean, having a team that you've followed ever since, you know, and, and what's crazy is the Clemson LSU game in the Peach Bowl really started their their rise at field goal. And, right. and then they right. get their butt whooped by West Virginia. Then you go into the college football playoffs every year, and now what we're going through and, and thinking that DJ's the truth and you just have all that talent drop off. So I, I definitely feel your pain of, like, what's going on when you're so mm-hmm. used to being there every year. But – Outside of Burks, of course, that's that's the one guy that they got a key on. What what else? How do they really come back and bring the physicality and try to stop yet another key running attack? Because that's the big key to Arkansas's offense. How do they really physically get themselves back up? And if we're going to put you on the spot here as we end it, you know, if you could give a prediction on what you see in the outcome being. I think that if Ellis – so the, the thing with LSU is that they were really multiple last week. Now you give Arkansas a chance to adjust and get ready for what you're going to throw out for them. The, the good thing for LSU last week defensively was is that you really didn't know where they were coming from. They never really ran a blitz package more than once. I, and, and it's going to be on Arkansas to really have, a, a, in my opinion, a good passing attack. Because, look, when you send seven guys and you only have five to block, it's really tough. Look, as a former collegiate O-lineman, I'm just going to tell you, five guys don't block seven, okay? And it makes the offensive line look bad. Again, I think if Arkansas can get up, it's going to come down to Arkansas's offensive line versus LSU defensive line, period, point blank. It's just where it's going to be. Because I think whatever one one of those lines of scrimmage wins, I think that you – that's the team that's going to win. Going to win. I, I think, as far as a prediction, if this game was at Arkansas, I'd pick Arkansas. And since this game is at is in Baton Rouge, I'm going to pick the Tigers. I, I would say maybe a 28, 20, 24, or 31, 28 type of game. I don't know if LSU can score 31 points. But here's another thing, though: LSU's had a lot of success running the football their damn selves over the last five weeks. If Barry Odom only wants to put six guys in the box, you better watch out now. Now, look, I just mentioned about LSU having replaced two guards, but those two guards have, quite honestly, even though – and that's another thing about it. 
he's starting guys that shouldn't be starting. If those two young guys can get a push like they have been, okay, now watch out. They ran, the, you know, look, I'm just going to give LSU the slight edge just due to the fact that they're at home. Uh, but it would not shock me either which way. I, you know, if people say, oh, Blake picked LSU, he's a homer. Well, you're damn right. I started business, <laughs> you know, covering LSU. So I'm going to I'm gonna give a slight ed- edge LSU, but it wouldn't surprise me either way, to be honest. Well, man, we wouldn't expect anything else. I mean, when you, you <laughs> cover them, you know, you're a fan, you know, you do a podcast. Hey, I mean, it's it, not as bad yeah. as last week me saying that Alabama was going to beat LSU 42 <laughs> to 17. Okay, that's <laughs> that, you know, I had to live up to that one. And I'm like, guys, I'm, I I do a segment. and I, It's, you know, where I'm right, where I'm wrong. I'm like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me in right and wrong. You know, I'm glad yeah. I was wrong. So I'd be I I wouldn't be as glad to be wrong on this one, but I'm I'm OK with it. Yeah, and that's what they say. Bad publicity is just as good as good publicity. It's clicks, man. You know, and if you, nobody knows when you're right, but when you're wrong, they're all about it. Oh, they so, always but, know it. But Blake, man, once again, it, it was a pleasure. Uh, good luck to you. You know this, and good luck to the next year. You know who the new coach is, and hopefully everything will turn around for y'all down there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, Mel Tucker looks to be all but out. Um, Lincoln Riley, Mario Cristobal, Jimbo Fisher. It's going to be interesting down the stretch. Uh, hopefully, again, as long as the name is not Les Miles coming out of Scott Woodward's mouth, I think I'll be okay. With it. <laughs> well, that will do it for episode 227 of the Hog Talk podcast. Once again, we Blake Blake Rafino from AYSS for coming on. And man, we'll have to definitely catch up. And, and we are presented to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.